You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. But as we're approaching that time of year celebrating Passover, the Gospels tell the story of the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Jesus would have one last meal with his disciples right before Passover. After that, Jesus was arrested and brought before various leaders who were trying to have him killed. Pilate interrogates Jesus and seems to want to release him. There was a custom each year that when they, that they would release a prisoner before the feast, right before he was crucified, were introduced to this man that we're looking at today called Barabbas or Bar Abbas. I just say Barabbas. We've not heard his name before in scripture. There's nothing previous about him. And he enters this drama that's unfolding before the whole assembly gathered outside of Pilate's palace. The trial and death of Jesus showed both the wicked and treacherous heart of man who will hail Jesus as Messiah and shout Hosanna only a few days before they turn on him and with one voice shout, crucify him. This also shows the gracious heart of God. When men were doing their worst, God was giving his best. In Romans 5.20 it says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Thank God for his grace. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Jesus was not crucified because evil men wanted to kill him. He was crucified by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, which was made from eternity. It wasn't a spur of the moment. They did not take Jesus by surprise. He wasn't, you know, unaware of what would happen. God foreordained Jesus to come. In fact, Jesus said, I'm going up to Jerusalem where I'm going to die. And in three days, I'll be raised again. He knew that this was going to happen. No one took him by surprise. But let, let's look at where Barabbas comes into this. Luke 23, 13. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. They brought the charge. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. It's interesting to note that Pilate deems him innocent, but what's he want to do? He still wants to have him whipped. He still wants to have him flogged. He still wants to punish him. Now that's pretty bad. That's kind of a look at his character. It's as if he's telling the people, he is innocent, but a good beating will straighten him out. And you'll be happy enough with that. I'll just have him beat. That'll get the crowd to die down. That'll get the crowd to leave. And also, it'll keep this guy in line who may be out of line thing is, he never expected that the crowd would want to have Jesus killed. It says in other Gospels, he washes his hands in their pres presence to signify that he is not part of their plan. 
In the other gospels, it says that he knew they brought Jesus in out of spite, that they were bringing him there and they wanted him killed out of spite. Verse 18, but they cried out all together saying, away with this man and release for us Barabbas. And it says in parentheses in this version, he was the one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, no, he wants to release Jesus, address them again, and don't miss this detail. Although probably cruel and heartless, and Pilate was no friend of the Jews, he doesn't want to kill an innocent man. He recognizes that he's innocent. He wants to set him free, but he gives in to the crowd. Friends, have the courage to stand against the crowd. And anymore, the crowd gets larger and larger. And those who would stand against the crowd, there's just going to be at one point just a few. Have the courage to stand against the crowd because just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean that it's right. Have the courage to stand against the crowd. Verse 21, but they kept on calling out saying, crucify him, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, and he says, why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And in the Amplified, it says that it accomplished their purpose. Shouting mob rule and we see now where people shout people down someone may stand up to say something and the mob shouts them down again just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean that it's right in verse 24 and Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted and he released the man that they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder but he delivered Jesus to their will Barabbas we're going to look at him for a moment and sometimes we can put ourselves or see ourselves in the story. He's in prison and he's sentenced to die for his crimes and he deserves it. This was not an innocent guy, but he's in prison for his crimes, deservedly so. He's broken or transgressed the law. He's led a rebellion and death has ensued. Now, we don't know the number of people, whether he murdered them at his own hand or as he made the insurrection, if people were killed in it. But it says that he's a murderer. There would be several that rose up to lead insurrections to challenge the rule of Rome over the years. The Jews were under the bondage of Rome. They were their rulers and they were tired of being ruled by Rome and were looking for their Messiah who would come and overthrow Roman bondage, who would restore the kingdom, who would free them from this oppression. When they recognized that Jesus wasn't going to do that, they were angry at him. There's a clear difference between an insurrection and a resurrection. Barabbas was leading an insurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Max Lucado, I know here they say Lucado, those of you that are familiar with him, tells a story, I'm just paraphrasing, but it made me think of his thought. He says, pondering that moment before the crucifixion, imagine you're Barabbas in your cell. 
He may have been there for a while. We don't know how long he's been there. But he knows that the Passover is coming and that he's condemned to death. The papers are signed. Everything's in order. He knows that his time is here. He can't hear much from his cell, but he can tell that there's a riot or shouting or some disturbance in the street. He can hear voices shouting, but all he can make out clearly from the crowd are two words, crucify and Barabbas. That's all that he can hear from his cell. He hears his own name and crucify. That's probably not good. He's on death row and now the guards are coming toward his cell. They're coming for him. They're not moving on by. They're coming to his cell. This is it. He's fully aware of his guilt and knows that his punishment is death. But something unexpected happens. They tell him that someone else is going to die in his place. The crowd was shouting for his release. This has to be a dream. This is not just a prisoner exchange, but a substitution. Jesus doesn't just die instead of Barabbas. He dies in his place as a substitute. It should have been Barabbas on that cross, that Passover. Barabbas and Jesus, stand, they stand accused of the same crime. Insurrection and treason. I have the definitions for you on the screen. These are the charges brought against our Lord. Rebellion, uprising, or insurrection is a refusal of obedience or order. It refers to the open resistance against the orders of an established authority. A rebellion originates from a sentiment of indignation and disapproval of a situation and manifests itself by the refusal to submit or to obey the authority responsible for the situation. And treason is the crime of attacking a state authority to which one owes allegiance. This typically includes acts such as participating in a war against one's native country, attempting to overthrow its government, spying on its military, its diplomats, or its secret service for a hostile and foreign power. These are the crimes that they're trying to say that Jesus was guilty of. See, Barabbas has committed these crimes. He did start and lead an insurrection. The Bible says that Jesus never sinned. But from a Roman point of view, Jesus' claim to be the king of the Jews posed a direct threat to Caesar, not just against the Roman government. So in that sense, they thought that it was a greater thing or a greater charge coming against him. The Gospels point out that freeing prisoners was a Passover custom. It commemorates the night when the final plague, the death of the firstborn in Egypt, happened. That night, the Passover lamb was killed, shedding its blood so that others could live. The blood applied to the doorposts. That's what they were instructed to do, to apply the blood to the doorposts of their house. It was applied and it was the sign that the angel was to pass over that house. The blood made all the difference. The house that did not have the blood applied, that firstborn was killed. The blood made the difference. When Jesus' blood is applied to our lives, we are passed over from death to life. Praise God. Let's not forget that. Because sometimes we walk with God a while and we forget 
that we're saved by him. Barabbas represents the way of war, of strength, of violent insurrection, the way of man. The way of man makes something happen by any means possible, even killing to get what they want. Jesus represents the way of peace, innocence, and sacrifice. He is the fulfillment of God's plan done God's way. He even prayed in the garden, not my will, not what I want, God, not what my will is, but yours be done. And don't forget for a second, Jesus said that he's not of this earth, that if he could just say the word and legions of angels would come. And trust me, probably one would be more than enough. And he said at his word, he could call for angels to come. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. When Pilate asked the crowd for their choice, the people in Jerusalem choose the way of violence. No, not him. Give us Barabbas. It's also interesting to note that Jesus wasn't trying to overthrow Rome. Jesus wasn't trying to exalt himself and exalt his kingdom. The Jewish people wanted to overthrow Rome's rule over them. By choosing Barabbas, it's like they're saying to the Roman government, although this man, Jesus, is peaceful and performs miracles, we want the guy who will take things by force, even to the point of killing for it. We want Barabbas and his way to get what we want. They choose the way of violence. They don't choose to do what God wants, God's way. Remember, friends, they waited 400 years for Messiah to come. The Jews today are still waiting because they rejected Christ as Messiah. For Barabbas, that Friday morning, he woke up expecting nothing but a slow, terrible death. And friends, if you've ever looked at or studied anything about the crucifixion, it was one of the most horrible ways that you could possibly die. And that's what he was expecting. Yet that evening, he was home with his family, celebrating a Passover meal. This has to be a dream. He does nothing to deserve mercy, but discovers that Jesus is going to die. He's going to die instead literally in his place. I know we use that word a lot today, literally, but he's literally dying in his place. Friends, let's look one step back. We're all Barabbas. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. We should all be nailed to that cross. We are sinners destined for death, but find life through the death of another. This is the beautiful exchange. Jesus has died in our place so we don't have to. God gave his best while we were at our worst. Romans says that we're all sinners. I have these verses on the screen. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no one who does what is right. So what should a holy God do with us? There's none that is righteous. There's none. We have all sinned. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Just like those of you that worked this past week, you put in your 30 plus hours and you're expecting a wage at the end of that for your time put in. The wages of sin is death. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
He should condemn us to die. That's what a holy God should do. Condemn us to die and spend eternity out of his sight. Did you ever have where your kids do something really bad? I've heard parents, it's none of you here, I'm sure. But you're like, get out of my sight. I just can't stand the, the sight of you just now for what, what you've done. God should just do away with us and put us out of his sight for eternity. But we see in his word something entirely different. We see God send a substitute to die in our place. Like the ram caught in the thicket for Abraham and Isaac, Jesus is the lamb provided for us. Like the blood applied to the doorpost, his blood applied to our heart saves us from death. Barabbas was a murderer and a Zionist. He wanted the Jewish nation to be free. He should not be mentioned at all, let alone regarded as an example of God's grace. I too am one that is an example of God's grace. His grace is unmerited favor. It's unearned but freely given. And I think that's where we can sometimes miss the mark. It's unearned, unmerited favor. It's freely given. But sometimes we think we have to do things to earn it. Through his substitution, he took my place on the cross. I'm not worthy and Jesus died for me anyway. It says in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. It isn't like God waited for us to get things, get our lives cleaned up and waited for us to do other things and get right while we were still sinners, he died for us. Through his substitution on the cross. Through that I become a son of the father. And even that's already cool enough. But he says we're also a joint heir with Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought that out. A joint heir with Christ. It says that it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I mean sometimes we need to think about how amazing that God is. And I don't know, sometimes when we picture him, we think of him different ways. It says it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's all his doing. He has paid the debt in full. Just like Barabbas could walk out of that prison cell a free man, Jesus has done that for you and for me. We're freed from the prison of sin by his substitution on the cross. The charges against us are dropped because of Jesus. I just want us as we're going into the next few weeks to think about that. We stand accused. The thing is, the accusations against us are, are true. They're, they're accurate. But God has dismissed those charges, believing in Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And it says in Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. They said when Jesus was tied and beaten, that many people didn't make it through that process, that it was so, so terrible. And I've read in, uh, from historians 
that it wasn't just a whip which would be bad enough, but Jesus took not only the whipping, but they said that in that cat of nine tails that there was pieces of glass and pieces of bone. And when, they, when he would get whipped, it would go in and it would stick. And then the guy would pull it with his might. And I'm sure he was a big burly guy because that's what he did for a living. And many didn't make it through that process and our Lord was beaten and whipped for us. And it says then, Isaiah says about that, and by his stripes we are healed. And like Barabbas, like I said, we're all Barabbas. Left to ourselves, we, who knows what we're capable of with our sin nature. But Jesus' death has pardoned us. When we accept the free gift that God provided, we're saved and acquitted of death's grip on us. He walked out of that prison because Jesus died in his place. And he died in our place too. And friends, the last thing I want to say is we're free. Because some of us still live like we're in prison. And there was a, an article that I read that talked about elephants that were in the circus. And when they're we, they tie them to a stake with a rope or a chain. And they can only go so far. And they, as they grow, they can take that chain off and they'll never leave because they still think in their mind that they're tethered. Friends, we live our lives like we're still in prison. We live our lives like we're still tethered to our sin. And we're still tethered to that. But we are free. We need to live like we're free. We need to know that we're free in him. He's freed us. And those chains are broken. One thing that saddens me, talking with people, and they're Christians, and I, I don't doubt that they're Christians, but they're like, I'm an alcoholic. And I want to say, friend, you were an alcoholic. You were. We all were something. We're a son or a daughter of the king. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that in your Gospels, you tell the story of Barabbas. You tell the story of this unknown guy who is not a good guy. He's a murderer. He tries to overthrow Rome by force and by power and make things happen. But yet here's Jesus literally dying in his place, literally being led out where that cross should have been Barabbas on with those other thieves that it says were on his right and on his left. But Jesus, you went to that cross willingly and you could have called for angels to come and take you down from that cross or save you from that hour. But you said not to save you from the hour. This was the hour why you came. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, he's in these next few weeks as we're going to be looking at it, getting close to Passover. Lord, may we remember those things, that it was a real event that freed your people out of Egypt, Lord, and freed us. And our Passover lamb was sacrificed that day in Jerusalem. Lord, we can be free. So Father, I just pray today that we grasp all that's transpiring in this, in this narrative, that you've died in our place. You paid the, the death penalty. You paid the penalty that we could not. And your grace gave us what we don't deserve. And that is a clean slate that we're forgiven, that we have eternity with you in heaven. So Father, today I pray that you just get that down in our hearts, down into our spirits. Lord, that you give us in Romans where it talks about a renewing of your mind. I pray that we do continue to have our minds renewed to what your word says Lord, today, anyone that's going through just a difficult time, a time of discouragement, just even a physical illness coming against them, I pray, God, that they will be free of that, that you will just keep being at work, 
Lord, we bless you. Lord, let your hand just continue to be upon us. Lord, we pray your blessing on each one. Lord, each family. Lord, we just ask that you would just continue to do a work here. Lord, that you will make a distinction. Lord, that you will make a distinction that you're at work among us. And Father, I just thank you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.